0: Welcome everyone to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Stocks. I am Nate. We are here with Jimbo. I don't, I don't. And we are doing well because... Baseball. Why? Baseball. Baseball. Yes. Any day you get to talk about baseball, for me, is a good day. Um... Just yesterday, my Brewers, we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, Just yesterday, my Brewers swept the Mariners. I've got a buddy who's a Mariners fan. I live in Washington. He's a Mariners fan. He was very frustrated yesterday because the Mariners ended games back-to-back days with bases loaded. And not only that, but the Brewers had zero runs heading into, I believe, the seventh inning. And then they ended up with five runs, four of which scored with two outs. In tw- uh, we're, Jimbo and I were just talking about this the other day. In 2021, guaranteed zero of those runs were, would have scored because all the guys would have struck out. But you make contact. Good things happen. But I'm not going to waste time on the Brewers today because we've got other things to talk about. A um, couple of NL Central teams. Uh, one good one bad neither of them the brewers we've got an AL or a NL west team to talk about that has been very surprising in the early going and we have a guy to talk about who has been uh called up unexpectedly i'd say and so i want to start there and so on the 15th of april which was uh i don't know saturday maybe Yep, Saturday. five days ago, Saturday. Um, <clears throat> Zach Nito got called up by the Angels, uh, somewhat unexpectedly, I would say, considering he'd only played forty-four games in the minor leagues up to that point. He had very good double-A numbers. Of course, there was only seven games this year, but he had very good double-A numbers. And Jimbo, I want get to quick get your thoughts on this because um, you see the lists. I have a list of uh, guys who have been called up. To the majors before um, their first year is done in the minor leagues, right? So, yeah. so he got drafted last year. He hasn't even played one entire season of baseball since 2000. It's been Zach Nito, Nico Horner, who has 6.9 total baseball runs above replacement. I imagine that number will be up closer to 20 by the time his career is done. Austin Hayes, 6.6. I imagine that number will be up into the, at least the – he's 27. Nico Horner 25. That number will probably be up into the, you know, at least 15 range, I would imagine, like pretty good player. Um, Andrew Benatendi's at 15.9 in 2015. He got called up. Dansby Swanson, 15.4. That number is going to go up. Alex Bregman in 2015, 30.9. Uh, baseball reference wins above replacement. 2014 had three guys. Michael Conforto, who's at 15.9. B-War – Um, And he's finally playing this year. He lost an entire season due to injury last year. Trey Turner at 29.9. Kyle Schwarber at 11.3 in 2014. And then Alex Avila. Let's go. 17.1 B-War. Gordon Beckham, one of the big disappointments on this list at 5.5. Buster Posey at 44.8. He got called up in 2008. Connor Gillespie in 2008, also 2.2 baseball reference, wins above replacement. It should be mentioned that he had it in his contract when he signed that he had to get called up for a way to get him put on the 40-man roster and therefore making 40-man roster money. Um, Same with Ricky Weeks in 2003. He got called up to the same year as his draft year um, because it was a contractual obligation. Uh, and then you had Troy Tulowitzki in 2005 with 44.5 wins above replacement, Ryan Zimmerman in 2005 with 40.1, Jeff Florentino in 2004 with 0.7 wins above replacement in his career, and Khalil Green in 2002 with 8.5. So by and large, um, if you if you completely scrap the 2000s, because you have both guys that were getting called up because of contractual obligations, and also they just weren't as good with prospect management and everything back then because you got guys like Jeff Morantino mm-hmm. at .7. Now, you do have the Ryan Zimmermans and the Troy Tulewiskis and the Buster Poseys with the 40-plus wins above replacement, but you'll get there with probably Alex Bregman and um, Trey Turner. So if we just focus on the 2010s, for this list, which I think is a little bit better. Uh, the uh, You know, people's people's views on prospects and everything has changed since the early 2000s. Um, this list is a list of guys who are very good. Kyle Schwarber, 11.3. Trey Turner, 29.9. Michael Conforto, 15.9. Alex Bregman, 30.9. Dansby Swanson, 15.4. Ben Attendee, 15.9. Austin Hayes, 6.6. Nico Hunter, 6.9. That is a list of guys that you would like to have on your team. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those guys. Now, are they all-stars every year? Are they going to be Hall of Famers? No. Probably none of them are going to be Hall of Famers at this point. Um, Maybe Bregman or Turner if they really pick it up in their 30s. But I have my doubts. Like, I feel like you have to be a lot closer than – because 60 is the threshold – Mm -hmm. Uh, that you kind of have to pass for wins above replacement to get into the hall of fame. And if you're only halfway there and you're looking at your age, what, how old is Alex Bregman right now? Age 30, age 31 season. We're about to find out. Um, Oh, he's 29, but is he in his age 30 season? No, he's in his age 29 season. All right. So he has a little bit of time. Alex Bregman might be able to, you know, age 29, age 30, age 31, um, if he picks up five wins above replacement every single year, all of a sudden, by the time he's 32, he's got 45 wins above replacement. So Alex Bregman could become a Hall of Famer mm-hmm. on this list. Um, but regardless of that, it's just a list of very solid, very good players. Yeah. Um, and so okay. Zach Nito getting called up along the same timeline as them. In fact, even better, he had 201 plate appearances Everyone else on this list, Nico Horner at 375. Everyone else had 500, 600, 700, or 800 plate appearances in the minors before getting called up. So like there is, there is, um, what words am I looking for here?
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: there's been a standard set for guys getting called up this early to be very good. Mm-hmm. And now this is the Angels. <laughs> so, you know, they do have – they know exactly what a great player looks like in, in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, but also most of their prospects have been wildly disappointing over the years. Um, but that being said, the precedent has been set that if you're getting called up this early, you're likely – going to go on especially in the last 10 years um you're likely going to go on and become a good player hall of fame maybe not all-star every year maybe not but good player that every single team would like to have on their team yes and so with that background information on Zach Nito um I think it's now very interesting to follow his career forward um I don't know if you'd agree because uh like for me, Jimbo, and you'll have to give me your thoughts on this. I simply would have probably put him in AAA for a few weeks just to see how he handled it.
1: Yeah, I I just don't understand. I I don't know. I I'm always indifferent about this because it's like, what's the rush on a kid like this? It's early in the season. Now, now the rush, the rush is you have Otani for one more year. Yeah. So I, I, that that was kind of where I was getting at. Where I think that's like the Angels are always trying to like I don't know, put a band-aid on so many things to get to the playoffs for so many years. Like um uh like the Wilson guy, the the big right the um the big pitcher from Texas, like they they always do like the big signings. Yep. Remember and then like Rendon and all these big signings to like put a band-aid on it and then I just went to their depth chart and I'm just like like maybe they needed a shortstop. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, there is zero depth at shortstop. But it's like, okay, let's put a in on. Let's get Zach Nito up here. It's exciting. Um, but at the same time, it's like, why not bring in, like, a guy like a Jose Iglesias who is chilling, you know, for, in a, like, a month? Because
0: because Jose Iglesias, you bring him in, he instantly becomes terrible if he's put on the Angels.
1: <laughs> That's true. Well, I don't know. Angels are great for the one, like, the half-season breakout half season crash like a like a Taylor Ward you know like like Taylor Taylor Ward's been pretty good like but you know what but that that was an example of like the low-key signings but when they do the big signings it never works out well but when they do like these these veteran like low-key deals I feel like they do pretty well for a little bit and then I don't know what happens I don't watch enough of the Angels but before I jumped on here I also was looking I was reading an article like Otani they're like they might trade him at the end of the by the end of the year because what if they're totally out of the playoff race Otani's like you know what I'm not gonna resign you almost would you either let him walk and you get nothing like you get a uh, yeah comp or you get a huge haulback for you know one playoff run um, so
0: it's, it's I'm really curious I'm glad you bring, bring that up real quick uh moving off of Zach needle for two seconds. I wonder what a team would be willing to give up for half a year because you're essentially get, you're getting two players. With everyone yeah. having the DH, you're getting two players for one. So this isn't your normal half a season of just a pitcher that's going to throw 11 games the rest of the year. It's not your normal, uh, you know, 225 plate appearances for the rest of the year and another 100 plate appearances in the playoffs if you make it to the World Series or whatever. This is... You know, 200 plate appearances and, say, nine starts if if they let him have some rest for a couple starts or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are getting two players, but what is it worth? Because Aaron was talking to a guy just the other day, and this guy said that it he would be willing to give up Jackson Churio straight up for half a season of Otani if it meant the Brewers got him if they were one of the best teams and looking to make the play, or World mm-hmm. Series. Now I understand the sentiment, but as we know in baseball, one guy does not make the playoffs. And if you were a GM and you traded away Jackson Churio for half a season of Otani and you didn't win the World Series, you're likely instantly fired.
1: That would be tough. But I'm going to play the other side. So here, here are the the pluses out of it. So one playoff run, you get you know starter. And, uh, you know, a hitter mm-hmm. top notch. But also you got to look at the financial side. Jersey sales. Oh, my gosh. Even if it's for half the season. So.
0: But, but with those Jersey sales outstripe Jackson Churio
1: Jersey sales for six years. But so I'm just like the whole picture. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I, I like to think on the other side, like the financial side. But like a Brewers, that's huge. That income is huge. Um, so you have that. Then you have you get a um, you get a pickback. Even if he doesn't like, if he doesn't resign, no, you, you a, don't. Not even when you if you trade if you trade him in the middle of his last
0: season, you don't get a comp pick. You can't you can't extend a qualifying offer.
1: Oh, I thought they did. Okay, so yeah, that's that would that would be tough. Um, but the the revenue that would come in. You know, obviously a Jackson Cheerios, is like once in a lifetime type prospect, but then you go through, you know, it's like, hey, if you got a good squad, you got Burns, you got Woodruff that you can't resign, you got some guys that you can't resign, and this is your last like this is this is the time to make the jump, like to try and go all in, but you still have some depth. It would be crazy, but I mean some sometimes- so-
0: it would be crazy. And that and so the issue is like if you wanted to offer up Sal Frelick, I'd be like, Okay, that stinks, but you know, it's Joey Otani. If you're offering up the number one prospect in baseball, then it's like That would be tough. Because Does this ever- doesn't work. And Jackson Churio goes on to become a star, you're gonna yeah. get you're gonna you're you're going to get fired instantaneously. And you're going to be talked about for the next forty years in Milwaukee as the
1: biggest mistake that's ever happened to the Brewers. So, do you remember Matt Laporta? Yep. So he was a pretty big name prospect. He t- tore it up in the minors and all that good stuff.
0: But we are talking, we are talking about 2008 here. I mean, how many times did prospects fail back then? Where, like, they're pretty good nowadays. And if there's a high prospect, there's a good likely high likelihood of them becoming pretty stinking good maybe not a star but if you're ever in the top 10 you're likely going to be pretty decent
1: yeah i i do agree with that but it's just i don't know it's it's it would be tough and i guess it really just would depend on what what the return really would be like what is the asking price because he is a once in a lifetime type player and just even having Otani in your team's jersey for even half a season would be pretty sweet. Here, let's no pretend,
0: what. let's pretend that the Tigers are good right now.
1: All
0: right, they are tops of the division. You haven't been good for a while. You think you might be able to make World Series? Would you trade Riley Green straight up? Yes, half year of Otani.
1: Yes, because guess what? I have been through. Getting to the World Series, close, you know, and then like losing in the World Series, thinking. Well, like, remember, oh, there's no
0: guarantee that you make the World
1: Series. I know, but I would rather do everything possible to get there because I know how hard it is to get there. You know, like it's yeah, hard it's to it's, extre- it's
0: extremely hard. I get that, but if you if you trade for Otani, you might as well not stop there. Yeah, like if I'm a if I'm a team and i'm grabbing otani be my dh and my am one of the starting like a like a rotation of otani woodruff and burns that would be unbeatable yeah i mean that would be in a in a seven game series two of those guys are pitching twice one of those guys is pitching once which is probably woodruff um and then you you throw like a Wade Miley as a change of pace the fourth game, and you might be able to win that because it's it's absurd. Like yes. it would work. That being said, we have seen crazy things happen where the best team on paper is a failure. And so I'm just I'm just like, I understand the sentiment, but how many times do we see the best team on paper fail?
1: Yeah. How many times
0: does the team that goes for it all, end up missing it. And then you look back and you say, okay, Jackson Trio could become nothing. Right? He does have major strikeout problems right now in double A. That being said, sometimes the risk the risk of not making the playoffs and the risk of trading away your top prospect you've ever had. I'd much rather find a package of like Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer. Well, <laughs> yeah. Jackson Jurio.
1: <laughs> well, all day, all day with that. Um,
0: but it but is. I think, a- that, I think that could get it done if you're giving two top 50 prospects and some change as opposed to.
1: I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I mean, you look at a team like the Mets or something like that, dude. Like, there's going to be teams that, I'm telling you, just for the dollars. Yeah. It's
0: also one of those things that prospects are a lot more important to the Brewers because exactly. of their low payroll. Yeah, and so like the Mets, if they wanted to trade Francisco Alvarez away, they trade him away. It doesn't matter; they can sign somebody to take his place. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting. It's uh, it's definitely uh, like uh, I try not to prospect hug, and yet. Getting half a season, no matter who it is, getting half a season of a guy for your top prospect, who, especially since you bring up jersey sales, the moment he gets called up, it'll be absolute pandemonium
1: hoopla. Jersey sales, though, can't no one can even compare to uh an Otani market, no. But we are talking, we are talking half a year, yeah. Oh, I know, but. You got a whole country, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah but they probably like, already have their Otani Angels jerseys. Are they going to need their Otani Milwaukee Brewers jerseys? There's many, not exactly there's not exactly a high population of Japanese people in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, but that that that's not that's not the the thing. It would be like Polisic whatever Polisic whatever how you're, however you say his name. If he went to, um. I don't know. I don't know soccer very well. But if – like if he just got traded to Chelsea for half a season when he was in his prime and won it all, like super excited. Everyone here in the U.S. would buy that new jersey. You know what I mean? I'm like...
0: I understand what you're saying. I am just a little bit doubtful on people's motives to buy jerseys.
1: Oh, dude. I, I don't know. I did a class – we did, did like a whole thing on it in, in school once, and like the like the demographics of everything and, and how how crazy it can be when like a like an Otani, a Max Kepler, like these overseas, like a Luca, like Luca could go. Let's say he goes to any team, people, like a Kev, like even a Kevin Durant, he goes to the Suns. Everyone's buying his jerseys, like true. Even, and then, like, if a Luka went to... But well, that's not for
0: half a season. So my problem is half a season.
1: Yeah, I don't...
0: People, but, so that that that's, that's where my issue comes in. If it was one and a half seasons, I understand. If it's a full season, I understand. But we're talking about, especially trade deadline being end of July, you've got August, September, October for playoffs. That's three months for people to get jerseys in before he's a free agent and moving elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I just see how people spend... And just for the, just for, just to have the jersey and say that they have it for the picture, for all that, you know how people like.
0: Now, if they won a World Series. Different. Yeah. Then I could see people buying Otani jerseys left and right in Brewers because he won a World Series with that team.
1: Yeah.
0: After the fact. But uh, I, consider me a doubter, but that's just.
1: You wouldn't buy an Otani jersey if he got traded to the Brewers? But do you, like how are you a Jersey person though? No, exactly. So, I don't have
0: a Burns jersey. I don't have a Yelich jersey. I don't. Yeah. I never had a Ryan Braun jersey. Yeah,
1: so that's. I'm talking to a non-Jersey person. That's. What are we talking? I need to talk <laughs> to a Jersey person.
0: You do have, yeah, but see that then that's then that's like the, you know, that's the rub. Yeah, it's
1: I don't that, know. I'm you're trying gonna to
0: have a lot j- of non-Jersey people as well that just wouldn't buy it.
1: Yep. Dude, there's a there's a crazy market for jerseys. I'm trying to think of like someone from the Tigers that we got for half the season. I would have 100% bought their jersey if we were good, and I was going to the games or like going to watch parties or anything. Like, I'm getting the big name jersey. I like it. Well, should we move back to Zach Nito? Yeah, we should.
0: Yeah, we should. Um, so Zach Nito gets called up. Uh, his stats have not been good. In the early going, uh, he is. It's only five games. So, you know, it doesn't really count for anything. But he's hitting a buck 58 with a 238 on base and a 263 slugging, a 501 OPS. Not much to be made out of that. I mean, the hoopla of getting called up and then being on the same team as Mike Trout and Shoei Otani and having all those nerves, I can't imagine it's easy. So, I don't really put too much stock in those numbers in the early going, obviously. And also, You should never put stock in a five game sample size because guys have terrible five game stretches all the time from Mm. Mike Trout down to Austin Hayes and everyone in between. There are terrible five game stretches all over the place where if you took a random five game sample from the best hitter in the world, he would have five game samples that look just like that. Um. So, Don't put a ton of stock into it, but those are the numbers, and the numbers are the numbers. Um, But I will say, numbers that matter to us are card price numbers. And we've got some uh, updates for you all. So, base PSA 9 with a 10 auto. Uh, $55 card like this sold for on March 26th. On the 16th of April, the day after he got announced called up, it sold for 229 bucks. So, from 55 to 229 the 229 was a fixed price. Um, so, somebody just had to have it. Base PSA 10. So, base PSA 10 sold on March 12, 2023 for $169 on... Um the 15th, a PSA 1010, so the 10 auto as well, but still a PSA 10 sold for 425 bucks. So from 169 to 425. A couple days later on the 19th, a base PSA 10 sold for 320. So even after his slow start in the majors, uh his price is still significantly up by 150 bucks. Um, which is pretty cool. And then one last one here. Green Auto, number to ninety nine PSA ten. On the fourteenth of April, it sold for six hundred twenty five dollars. On the fifteenth of April, somebody bought one for eight hundred one dollars. So one hundred and seventy six dollar difference in one day. Now, it will be mentioned that if you don't have a, if you don't have a um, card LLC set up for selling. You will lose all of that money to taxes at the end of the year and eBay fees. So you'd buy it for six twenty-five. You'd sell it. You'd lose your twelve and a half percent, and then you'd lose your twenty-eight percent on top of that for taxes. So we you're not tax th- what?
1: We are not tax experts.
0: We are not tax experts. But I do know that the uh, the uh, I'm pretty sure that it's twenty-eight percent on. For for the tax at the end of the year, but I could be super wrong on that. So somebody, if somebody knows better than me, they should uh, let me know. Um, but you would you would likely lose all of that money uh, if you sold it one day later, which kind of stinks. So shout out to the U.S. government for taking our money.
1: We love you, Uncle Sam. Yeah, that was me, not me. What? I said, we love you, Uncle Sam. That was Nate, not me. <laughs> <laughs> we we gotta be uh... but dude, that's what's crazy about debut. I'm so glad. Like I'm I you know how like when we when I first started doing this podcast with you, like I was always I always preach sell at debut, sell at debut. And this is was like a great example of why, because the excitement, there's just so much excitement when a, a person gets called up that almost every time it explodes. Now here's the thing
0: and I I have mentioned this before but I will mention it again selling on debut is not a bad strategy if you are 100% up on your game
1: Yeah, that's what's tough
0: If you are aiming to sell on debut and you miss it by a day, sometimes you're missing hundreds of dollars So true So Like, I understand the sell at debut, but even I, always tuned in on Twitter, everything like that, I would miss stuff. I would miss sales, or I'd forget I had cards, or, you know, this or that. And so it's it's like, it's just a little bit too risky for me.
1: That's why I always preach, have everything up for sale already as like a buy it now. So you already have all the legwork done. It's basically like having an email drafted. That's a good idea. And Put that's, it up for the buy
0: it now price. And then you can adjust.
1: Exactly. So, but it's always up because even if, even if it's not at the debut, let's say, I don't know, Zach Nino has a four home run game in the minors and someone gets super excited and there's just not a lot of up on eBay or on any of the platforms. They get excited and click it. You just never know. You just never know. It's true. And in, in base, the Bowman baseball card, you know, uh, world, I feel like the supply is so much lower than a lot of the other sports because really it's Bo- like Bowman's king, right? Until they until they make they de- their debut and then they're in tops Chrome and all this other fun stuff. And, and even then, Bowman is still king. Exactly. So a lot of times, like a, like a Cole Young, like we talked about Cole Young, you know, he's really exciting. He's someone that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on eBay, eBay and check. There's just not a lot on there. Yeah. So if you're one of the few and you're ahead of it and you have it already listed – that's that's what I why I preach sell at debut, but you have to have it done early, have all the work done, have it already listed, and like you said, you have to be ready when it happens. You got to be quick.
0: You know what's funny? Speaking of Cole Young, so he's hitting three eighteen with a four fifty five on base and a five hundred slugging. True to
1: form, no home runs. <laughs> yeah, dude, he just I've I've been watching him. He's fun. He just. Takes whatever the hitter gives them, and he just gets on base. It's um,
0: not- Have you heard of, uh, speaking of random random guys, I'm going to do a prospect of the week right now. All right, cool. Who uh, we in got in the middle, unexpectedly. But have you heard of Carlos Jorge?
1: Yes, with the Reds. Yeah. Just so looked this, him up this morning.
0: This kid's cards come out in a couple of weeks. And he is uh, a ball 19 years old, two and a half years younger than uh, league average in the Florida uh, Florida State League or whatever it's called um, Florida Atlantic, which is which is a massive ballparks down there from what I remember. Uh-huh. Uh, massive ballparks and he is hitting 276 with a 432 on base and a 552 slugging 984 OPS. This is one of those things where, like, if you're buying into a break and you're buying the Reds, this is like an, a bonus on top of – Cam um, Collier. Thank you, Cam Collier. All over it. It's, so I uh, I was looking at this kid's stats just yesterday, and uh, he is he is very, very impressive in the early going. One double, two triples, one home run, seven walks, eight strikeouts – you know, a lot of things I like to see in a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep that in mind. Yes, sir.
1: One other thing, I've actually been watching the that team's minor like the, uh, on TV a lot. Yep. And so he hits leadoff. The reason why I really like that kid, he hits leadoff, and then there's this kid uh Leonardo Balcaz. Yeah. He hits third, Cam Collier hits fourth. If so you remember
0: what you're saying is this is going to be a team that we, that go, climbs up the
1: ladder together? That and there's like so much protection in the lineup, like in the minors it it's already, you know, the pitchers aren't always the best, but if you have a lineup like that, good luck as a young pitcher and they're all they're all going to I feel like be even better together because of that lineup. Yep. So I uh, how has Belkazar been doing? I have a refractor of his number to 499 sitting around here. I mean, he's been taking off, I've been trying to find his stuff. Um, but he's interesting. That whole red man, I was di- doing a deep dive on the whole Reds organization this morning. They have some talent. Uh, dude, he's trash. He only has an 844 OPS. <laughs> Belkazar,
0: yeah, yeah, eight. What What is his stat line? Um, he is hitting 265 with a 432 on base and a 412 slugging, um, 844 OPS. Now, this is his technically not eight age 19 season, just like uh, Carlos Jorge, but um, he is just 18 right now, 18 and 307 days, whereas Jorge is 19, 210 days. So yeah. it's a pretty big difference there in ages.
1: You know, and this is another fun thing. You know how you talked about, hey, it's only a five game span. So, like, literally last week, Leonardo Belkazar was hitting over three hundred and he was crushing the ball. And then he had a couple games where he like, you know, one hit or no hits or whatever. Now his average is down to two sixty five. Yep.
0: <laughs> Which is That's- why we shouldn't put that many much stock into early season stats for these guys either. But it's exactly. a lot more fun to put stock into short, small sample sizes if they're doing well and not put stock into it if they're not.
1: Yes. But I thought that would be – So be careful when this new Bowman comes out because some of these – the guys that are coming out, they might be have great numbers, but it, if they're only in the minors for like a month, small sample size.
0: Um, speaking of sample sizes, so two games ago – Yelich was in under 700 OPS, and then he had three hits, including a home run, and he raised his OPS to like 723, which not great, but at least respectable somewhat. And then one game later, his OPS is down to 698. So, you know, yeah. the, uh, the these things tend to just jump all over the place in the early going. Um, let's move on from our pro- unexpected prospect of the day and he has no cards yet. It's coming out in 2023 Bowman, which is coming out on the 26th. Um I will
1: I Jimbo, I assume Kentucky Roadshow will have some breaks. Absolutely. We will have them in all uh product in all the shops and then also we will be having some breaks for sure. Probably on our website. Um not sure how how much we're getting, but yeah, we always do some fun stuff with Bowman
0: sweet uh slab stocks breaks will also have some breaks i believe we are getting in five cases of jumbo um and then i will also hopefully haven't nailed this down yet but hopefully we will be i will be getting to do a bowman maybe release day break with the guys at foul territory so we will see if that if that ends up happening um That was my suggestion and it did seem like they thought it was a good suggestion, but, uh, we will see if, if it happens or not. Um, but yeah, that should be a good, good day. And Carlos Jorge, uh, definitely, definitely interesting. I might even buy into the reds. I'm always hesitant because, you know, I see the, I see the, uh, the hits and it's like you buy into the breweries for Jackson Churio in a, in a break and one of his cards comes out of an entire case and it's like, ooh.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So like there's risk there. Um but we'll see how much the reds are. Maybe I can find a a slightly cheaper break or something mm-hmm. to buy into where my wife won't kill me. Um yes. With,
1: the, with that being said though, here's another reason why I love Bowman breaks when uh because there's so much value. I just found a box yesterday and there was like 20 Jordan Walker base chromes. Bowman first chromes. How much are those? Three, four oh, bucks a piece? They're were they're 45 last time I checked, which was yesterday. $45? Yeah. PSA 10? No,
0: no. Raw. Base Jordan Walker? Oh, Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker. I thought you were saying, in my head, you you said Jordan Walker, and in my head I translated it to... Jordan Lawler.
1: Oh, no, Jordan Walker. Base, Chrome, first, $45. Now, if you were to buy the Cardinals break back in, you know, obviously back in the day, and let's say say you you didn't get a big hit, but you got some of the base, like a lot of times that base, if they do pop off, some of that base can pay for that breaks, like pay for those breaks two or three years down the line. Um, And then you have a random Mason win that pops off that was in that same or product or alec burleson or tink hence exactly so
0: they were in the all in the same draft
1: so some of those teams if you do your research and you if there's like a lot of high ceiling high risk players with that one team sometimes it's it's an interesting play to buy into those breaks yep uh speaking of the cardinals let's move on to our surprises of the uh you see what i did there
0: I do like that uh, of the, of the early season. And we're going to go with our bad surprise first, or if you're me, a very happy surprise. Um, And that is the Cardinals. Now, why are we talking about the Cardinals? You might say, Nathan, you're a Brewers fan. Jimbo, you're a Tigers fan. And also don't like the Cardinals. Why would you want to talk about the Cardinals? Well, let me tell you the Cardinals right now. Are in last place in the NL Central. <laughs> well, okay, I hadn't checked since yesterday's game. They are half a game up on the Reds for last place in the NL Central. All right, so they're eight and eleven. The Reds are seven and eleven. The Reds play; have to play one more game, and then they could tie them for last place if they win. Um, every other team of the NL Central: Pirates twelve and seven, Cubs eleven and six, Brewers fourteen and five. So you have all these good teams, and then you have the lowly Cardinals and lowly Reds. And uh, what's surprising about the Cardinals is that you look at their offense, and you're like, "Yeah, that should be a great offense." You, when you have a baseline of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, it should be amazing. You add a Jordan Walker to that list. You add William Contreras or Wilson Contreras. Sorry. Um, you have Tommy Edmund, Tyler O'Neill, uh guys like that. And it's like, yeah, they should be really, really good. And to an extent, the offense is pretty good, but the starting pitching is atrocious. It is and going into the year, it was like it was one of those things where you're like looking at their starting rotation and it's like that doesn't look very good. Maybe they'll uh you know back in the day when the Cardinals always had pitchers and it was always like the Cardinals are pulling up this pitcher and that pitcher all the time constantly there was always somebody behind well now you fast forward and you've got Miles Mikolas with an 8.10 ERA in 20 innings Jordan Montgomery, a 484 ERA in 22 innings, because Montgomery was just way too lucky last year. Jack Flaherty, 295 ERA in 21 innings. Steven Matt, 6.48 ERA in 16 innings. Jordan Woodford, 6.05 ERA in 19 innings. Those are the starting pitchers they have. Those are the only guys that have started games. That was their starting rotation to start the year. There's one guy in that. One guy, one singular pitcher in that lineup that kind of scares me in Jack Flaherty. That's also the guy that the Brewers lit up when they played him. And also, he's a big injury risk. Or he has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm not 100% confident that Jack Flaherty is going to stay healthy the entire year. And he's the only starting pitcher that scares me in the slightest because I didn't think Jordan Montgomery was going to do what he did last year when he got traded. Um, miles Mikalos getting older. Steven Matz has been injured. Uh, Jordan Woodford is essentially a nobody for me. And, uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, in fact, Jordan Woodford is getting his first chance at extended starting, uh, this year. And it is not going well. Uh, or Jordan Woodford, Jake Woodford. Sorry. Uh, Jordan Walker, Jordan Lawler. I'm I'm stuck on I'm stuck on Jordan, but his name is Jake. Um that's a bad starting ro- rotation. And then I went and looked up their stat cast, stats, right? Mm-hmm. They're getting up a 282 average. That's third in the MLB. Um yeah. They're giving up a hard hit percentage of 45%. That's first in the MLB. They're giving up the highest, uh, third highest average. They're giving up the hardest hit percentage. Uh, It is, it is, they're fourth in average exit velocity given up. They are seventh in barrel percentage given up. Like, they're getting rocked. And I love it. And this was the biggest – this was the – for me, this was the biggest, like, question mark going into the season. Like, as we know, you can have great offenses. I learned this back in the day with the early Brewers. It does not matter how good your offense is. You can have Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder and Corey Hart and Ricky Weeks and J.J. Hardy uh, and all these guys hitting 20, 30 – plus home runs in a year. In fact, we had one year, Casey McGee, we had one year where Corey Hart, Ryan Braun, and Casey McGee all hit 30-plus, and Ricky Weeks and Prince Fielder both ended on like 29. So we essentially had five 30 home run hitters. We did nothing. Nothing, because our pitching was not good. And so if I've learned anything, you can have as vaunted of an offense as you want you will run into a team with really good starting pitching and not as good of an offense, and you'll get just absolutely wiped off the face of the earth because it's all about it's all about starting pitching. Everything else, secondary. Starting pitching is the most important thing in baseball, and the Cardinals don't have it, and I expect this bad surprise start to continue no matter how well their hitting goes.
1: So bringing back Otani, if they, you know, let's say they're they're doing well. Let's say the Cardinals are doing well throughout the season. Starting pitching still isn't there. Does it make sense for them to make a move? Let's say Jordan Walker straight up for Otani.
0: I don't think they would ever do that. I could be wrong. I just have a hard time. I don't know, maybe. It, it would have to be if they thought they were, they would have to get a lot hotter than this. You know, yeah, they, they would have to legit think they are a contender for um, a World Series to pull that move off. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this pitching rotation, is a Otani Flaherty with the rest of the crap they have in that rotation good enough?
1: Wait, well, Wayno will be back, but man, he's getting, he's getting that's up. fair. But he's old. Yeah, he's very old. But we've been saying he's old for the last seven years, at least I have. That's true. That's true. But um, still. So so it, I mean, I gotta be careful with the Cardinals because I, I think they'll figure it out personally. Uh throughout the season. Now they do have Gordon Grace Seffo in AAA. So
0: that could be a that could be a fix if he gets called up. But
1: Yeah. But I just feel like I don't know what something with the Cardinals, they get these trades randomly that that they don't ever give up much. And then oh, you a- oh, oh! Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: for every one of those, you also have Sandy Alcantara, Randy Arozarena.
1: Yeah, but that's the Rays. You know, the Rays with Randy. You don't ever. No one trade with the Rays. That's what I discovered this morning. Um, that uh, that one prospect, Junior Caminero. Not to go off topic, but I realized he was with the he was with Cleveland. Of course, the Rays trade for him, and, he, and he's fantastic. The but. the the Cardinals traded away Zach Gallon
0: and Sandy Alcantara in the same deal for Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, that's tough. Right? Imagine if they had both those guys right now. That is tough. If they'd be. If both those guys were playing like they were on their teams, but for the Cardinals, they would be easily the best team in the NL Central and combining them with Jack Flaherty, they'd probably be the best team in baseball. Um as for the Randy Arozarena trade or Arozarena, uh he was traded with him and Jose Martinez for Eduardo Rodriguez and Matthew Libertor.
1: That's tough.
0: Uh, and Matthew Libertor um, struggled last year in his brief call-up. And this year in AAA is doing well. 2 3 ERA in 22 innings. So we'll see. They do have Gordon Graceffo and Matthew Libertor, I guess. Um, we'll see how quickly they call them up if these guys are continually struggling.
1: Yeah. Okay, how about... You know, the other side, like pull up a, like a Nolan Arenado.
0: Well, okay. But we're talking, if you want to say you can't trade with the Rays, then I'm going to say we can't consider the Rockies.
1: Yeah, that's true. That that didn't even make sense. And then Paul Goldschmidt for Luke Weaver and who else?
0: Oh yeah. That's such a bad deal.
1: Like, I don't know. But then at the, another time, like another thing that you got to think, there's only so many players that can play on your major league team. So like for them, they had Tyler O'Neal, Harrison Bader, like they had all these young uh, outfielders coming up. Rainy Rosarina. You're like, okay, let's trade one of them for whoever they got back for, you know, if they're making a playoff run or whatever, whatever they needed. Sometimes they sometimes you gotta make trades like that just because you gotta even out your your roster. That's true.
0: Dude, talk about not, talk about, you know, I've been talking about uh, not wanting to trade Jackson Churio, but a good reason to not hug prospects. Carson Kelly, not playing this year in the majors. Luke Weaver has not played this year in the majors and was atrocious for Arizona. Um, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, that was as bad as it gets from a trade standpoint. And Andrew Young. Andrew Young has a career minus nine, wins above replacement. What's weird is he he last played in 2021, he put up on 107 OPS plus, on 110 OPS plus the year before that, and yet he's not uh, in the majors. Like I feel like that would be the type of guy that could get some at-bats. But anyways, uh, we digress. The Cardinals pitching is bad. They do have guys in AAA that can come up. Um, as we as we know, these guys don't always just come up and dominate, so you can't exactly expect two AAA guys to save the rotation no matter how good of prospects they are. Um, and right now that rotation needs saving because outside of Jack Flaherty, it doesn't look great. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to the good surprises? Good surprises. Good surprises. All right, let's move on to the good surprises. And numero uno for good surprises, I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks right now are currently leading the league, or not leading the league, leading their division in record at 11 and eight, whereas everyone else, including the vaunted Dodgers and vaunted Padres, are under 500. Now it should be mentioned that the Padres are getting to um, tease back. The day of this recording, they're getting to tease back. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we won't be talking about it this week on the podcast because we're not recording on a Friday. But um, it is. They are. Uh, it will be fun to. It will be fun to see how they do.
1: Mm-hmm. My my one my biggest surprise are is pittsburgh and i i think i'm becoming a a pirates fan i'm not sure to be honest with you but it's starting to feel like i am a fan of them because i do watch them a lot and they are fun to watch they got a little bit of a youth movement they got some sneaky pitchers some sneaky relievers they got mccutcheon coming back like mccutcheon man yeah like oh my gosh he looks pretty solid they got a dude named connor joe came over from colorado last year he's hitting well even with another three home run game. Yeah. O'Neill. even with O'Neill Cruz going down, like th- they're doing just fine. They got this kid in center, uh, something Bay G. Jason G- Bay. No. Holy smokes. No. That's a throwback. But they got this kid in center. G Bay, or I forget his exact name, but dude, that dude can fly. He's like, ex- he's kind of, he's pretty fun to watch. Um, but that's that's been a fun division. The Brewers, that that division's been fun, man. Even the Reds. They got some good some good arms. They got some sneaky players in the lineup. Kevin um, Newman.
0: Can we can we talk about? I know he's not young, but can we talk about Andrew McCutcheon for a second? Let's do it. 2020, 757 OPS. 2021, 778 OPS. 2022 with the brewers last year 700 ops uh 99 ops plus so that was actually his first year in his entire major league career where he had under a league average ops at 99 uh, which is pretty good and then you have this year 36 back with the pirates for the first time since the age of 30 and he's casually hitting 310 with a 417 on base, 586 slugging, a thousand and three OPS, four doubles, four home runs, uh, three steals to only one caught stealing, eleven walks to nine strikeouts. Are we about to have like MVP andrew
1: McCutcheon return at the age of 36? Dude, I'm here for it because. I don't know. I just – every time I see him, even in a different jersey, I just think of him as, as a pirate. And, like, he lives in Pittsburgh in the offseason. Like, he's back home now. Dude, who knows?
0: It's it's incredible. I mean, we're talking about a dude who looked like he fell off the map last year. Now, that Brewers team had other issues. Um, They – uh, it just seemed like they just weren't having They just didn't seem like they were having fun a lot of the year. Like, it seemed like a very miserable place to be, and that can really get on a guy, especially a guy late in his career, I would imagine. So so to not have that, to be on a young upstart Pirates team back home, I can see where that would help. And uh, he has been – I mean, he has not put up over a two – he's been under 260 since 2018, average. Um, and yet here he is. Early going, obviously, but three ten. It's crazy, and only eight of them are extra base hits. He's slapped ten singles around.
1: Incredible. But I also
0: think that might be a, a product of today's game. With have you noticed? Like it feels like guys are more willing, at least from me watching the Brewers and what they've been doing. Um, was we talked about this? A lot, of, a lot more contact with the Brewers this year than in previous years. Not everyone's going for home runs. Um, it seems like guys are willing to take their walks. They're willing to hit singles, whereas the last couple of years, it felt like you had to get extra bases on every hit or else you were a failure. This year, especially with the bigger bases, um, limited pickoffs, it seems, at least to me, that guys are just willing to just go station to station, take the extra, take the bag they can get. And so I, I, it seems like even right-handed hitters like Andrew McCutcheon, we thought, you know, the band shift would help lefties. Um, But even righties like Andrew McCutcheon getting 10 singles in the early going, uh, kind of unexpected. At least from.
1: uh, The shift is the shift change is huge because it changes your approach at the plate by like a ton, like. There was a time where, if, if they load up on one side, you almost have to hit a home run or something yeah. just to get it, just to get it from not being touched. It's nuts.
0: It's, it's awesome. I I, I like I it so it. much more. You know, it's just a single, right? The most boring thing you can have in baseball, outside of a walk, and yet it's so satisfying seeing guys just, especially when you got guys on, and it's not like I gotta try to hit a double here. I gotta try to hit a home run. It's I got a guy in first. I'll try to slap a single, get him to third next Mm -hmm. guy. I'll try to slap a single. Maybe I'll take my walk. Maybe I'll ground out. But as long as I drive that guy in, it's beautiful baseball.
1: I love it. One other thing, you know, what's crazy. I know we didn't talk about this before, but you know what I just saw that is absolutely crazy. Tampa Ray or Tampa Bay Rays have a plus 83 run differential.
0: Um, My brother was just actually talking to me about this. So they did a, they did a, he didn't share the graph with me, but he said he saw a graph where they did the run differential and then the strength of schedule. Uh, Right. One is one axis, One is the other. If you're in the, in the right hand quadrant, top right quadrant, you, you both have a good run differential and a good, like a strong strength of schedule. And so the the Rays were in the top left hand quadrant because they've had an uh, they have an insane run differential, but like an absurdly easy schedule.
1: Yeah, because they're playing the Rays.
0: They have played. No,
1: because the the Rays
0: have played the Reds, the Tigers, the A's, the Nationals. The team the, the one good team they played, the Blue Jays beat them twice out of three games. Every other team they've played is is bottom of the league expected bottom of the league bad. Yeah. You uh, know. Um whereas the Brewers, on the other hand, they have played they're in the top right. They're only they're 5 They're in the t- they're like second in the league in in uh In run differential, but they have played the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Mariners. So instead of the Tigers, the A's, and all those crappy teams, they've actually played solid teams. And so I do think the Rays are a great story. dude. And they're winning games they should win. But it's also a little bit deceptive. Plus eighty
1: three.
0: Yeah, but they played one good team in there and they lost twice.
1: Plus eighty
0: three. But they played one good team in there and they lost twice. Dude, I get, I get that they're putting up a lot of runs against bad teams, but so are a lot of teams that play the
1: A's. Yeah. Okay. I give it. You know, the A's horrible, but still, man. I I understand. I'm just saying.
0: I'm just saying. We have we have a bunch of samples of them playing bad teams and winning, which they should, and it's good that they are. We have one sample size, one three-game sample size of them playing a team that's good, and you're hoping they beat, and they
1: lost two games. Man. They're... I don't know how they do it, though, with – I think they also have this kid, Kyle Manzardo, down in the minors. Mm-hmm. I, I had a, like I just have a feeling they're gonna call this kid up. This dude's gonna have like a monster playoffs for him, like something like that. They're gonna I don't know, man. I just they are very interesting, and that's with injuries. They you know they lost Jeffrey Springs who had a great start, starting pitcher. Um, another starting pitcher went down, so they had to do spot Last start.
0: Last now is out. Jeffrey Springs is out. I understand. I'm just, I'm just in, in, in case we're getting overly excited about the Rays, I want to remind everyone that four of the five teams they've played were expected, not just bad teams, fully expected to finish last in their division heading into the season.
1: Yeah. You know what's crazy? Uh, uh, the Braves have yet to play a team over 500. Wow. Well. Like maybe they played them. Um, When they play, like when at the time that they played them, they might have been over five hundred. But their record
0: has—I mean, some of that, some of that though, is because the Braves are winning. Yeah, right. Like, they play the Padres. Padres expected to be good. Brewers play the Padres. The Padres are expected to be good. If the Padres had won, you know, a game, one more game against the Braves and one more game against the Brewers, they would be over five hundred. They didn't, but they didn't. But you know that that's also like, that's part of the equation. At least in the early going, part of the equation is,
1: yeah. But I mean, if you play twenty games, and let's say you have a a homestand, three games, and I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't worry about strength of schedule too much early on with with baseball because at the end of the day, it's all it's still major league arms and the fact that the consistency is just crazy spoken like a true tigers fan why is that
0: uh because you're well i'm, I'm just messing with you because the tigers oh, wow. aren't good so it's like oh, oh. strength of schedule whatever but but, but if you are playing teams that are expected to be bad and then we look up and they are in fact bad i think strength of schedule does matter
1: yeah i mean at but the end the of the rings year aren't right? a
0: team that's going to win I don't think the Rays are going to win a a magical 116 games like the Mariners, uh, because they started out what 14 and
1: two, 15 and two. True, they're going to
0: eventually run into AL East opponents.
1: I, I mean, I agree with. I don't think they'll they'll break the record, but dude, a plus 83 run differential in 20 games. No, they had 19 games. That is insane. I I understand, but it. Yes. I mean look at look at here look, let's look
0: at the A's let's look at the A's schedule here All right so they gave up 13 runs, 6 runs, 12 runs, 4 runs, 6 runs, 9 runs, 11 runs, 11 runs, 5 runs, 12 runs, 8, 4 runs, 8 runs, 17 runs three runs, four runs, 10 runs, four runs, 12 runs.
1: I, I'm not arguing that the A's are not good. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. But plus 83 in 20 games is just insane. I agree. I agree. I'm
0: just and, – and the Rays did the best out of everyone in, in runs scored against the A's, but they have had – they have had a game against every team they have played this year where they have given up ten or more runs. sometimes they've done that twice against opponents so it's it's just it's just there I mean this is we're talking about a team that played the Mets lost seventeen to six and walked what was it twenty guys. <laughs> that's tough 17 guys i think they walk 17 guys and and hit two more
1: if i remember correctly um dude they should just there should be a mercy rule for the a's man
0: let's let's see here seven walks five rocks four walks, one rock yeah 17 walks two hit by pitches in one game
1: plus 83 it's nuts
0: it is nuts it is nuts but uh I'm just, I'm just making sure we're, we're tempering expectations based on who they have played. Because it has not been. I mean, not only have they not played good teams, they haven't played teams that are trying to win. Yeah. Outside of maybe the Tigers. The Nationals are not trying to win. That the A's true. are not trying to win. The A's especially. Also, did you hear the A's news?
1: Yeah, going to Vegas. Going to Vegas.
0: Billion-dollar stadium.
1: Dude, is that the first billion dollar? Because I was actually thinking this because I went to uh, SoFi, like the Rams stadium, Rams Chargers. Mm -hmm. And it's like the first time I went to a stadium where it didn't feel like a stadium. It was like way, way more than that. Right. Yep. And I feel like we haven't had that in baseball yet. So I was like, when is the next? Like, when will that happen? Could this be the one?
0: It could be. And I think it will be. I mean, it's Vegas, right? Yeah. Everything has to be. Everything has to be bigger in Vegas.
1: Yeah. It's like a one one billion dollar dude, that is nuts. They need to put some money on that in that team though. I
0: agree. They will. They definitely will. Once you go to Vegas, I'm yeah. I'm I'm fairly confident that the A's know exactly what they're doing to force their way out of town.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think
0: yeah, you're right. I mean, how many guys have they traded away
1: in the last man. Um, I saw I saw something about their like what their starting lineup would be if they didn't trade away with Sean Murphy and Matt Olson and yeah. Matt Chapman and all those
0: guys. That's tough. Especially when guys like Matt Chapman who long have been like eh, he's kind of trending in the wrong direction here now Matt Chapman is like one of the best hitters in the league in the early going this year 1.4 wins above replacement which is insane leads the American League in doubles with nine he also leads the American League in batting average on base percentage slugging percentage OPS OPS plus total bases Yeah,
1: and Toronto has a negative 12 run differential. It's insane.
0: But what's Uh, crazy is, so in Oakland, right, 785 OPS his first year, then an 864, then an 848, then an 812, then a 716 in his last year in Oakland, then a 757 in Toronto, and it's like, all right, you're getting a decent bat. It's going to hit you some home runs. You're getting a decent bat that is good at defense. Like – the bad is just the extra part here where it's like he'll hit you some home runs and you'll be happy with it because he will play amazing defense at third base. And all of a sudden, if he keeps this up, obviously I'm not expecting him to keep up a 397 average or anything, but if he plays his normal brand of defense with a really good bat as opposed to a deep, okay bat, mediocre bat, he might garnish some or garner some uh MVP votes.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. His glove alone, man. He is he's a, he's awesome over there at third base. Curious. So, veteran, you know, not super old, not super young, has has his hot start like that on a playoff team, does his cards go up or down?
0: Well, let me uh card ladder this for you.
1: We'll find out. Dude, plus
0: 83. That's so wild. You're still stuck on that plus 83.
1: Well, I'm, I'm just looking throughout like like the Rangers have had a great start. They're plus 43. And you, can you at least admit that the I mean, teams they have played have not been good? I, I'm not arguing that at all. Like, they're, The teams that they have played have been that – they're not good. But the fact that you still have to hit the ball and you still have to pitch, you're like, they're still – it's still pretty solid competition, but plus 83 is just crazy. It's just wild. That's fair.
0: Um, here, I can give you a, I can give you an update. June 21st, 2022, Matt Chapman, black refractor auto number to 15 BGS 95. $330. So that was last June. April 20th, black wave. Not even just a... Not a solid black. A black wave. And a BGS-8, not a BGS-9.5. $400. $70 more than the BGS-9.5 True Black sold last June.
1: What And when in April?
0: Oh, actually, the BGS-8 sold. 232 bucks, June 9th. April 20th. Today. June 9th is your birthday?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Ew, look at that. Somebody bought a birthday matt chapman did not give it to you apparently 232 dollars same card sold april 20th for 400 so we're talking 170 and seventy-dollar increase there
1: not bad so there is if you buy right on some of these veterans it's bold
0: it'd be a bold, bold it'd be a bold move that this is like the type of buy where it's like you're probably a fan of the Blue Jays. You wanted a low-numbered card of your new third baseman. You bought this Matt Chapman for 230 bucks and then it ended up making you money
1: unexpectedly. But does it ever go like does it go down at 2 from 232 even nope. if he doesn't have a good now year the next sale I could find? That that's the question I would ask is like where yeah they might not go up a lot but it's also less risk of them going down because they're more established.
0: It's true, but it's also you know it's one of those things where it's two hundred you know yeah two hundred thirty dollars sounds- not small chunk chunk of change, and it's also like cool to have the card. You're probably not expecting it to go down, but eventually it would, yeah. right? If Matt Chapman just keeps going the way he does, he's just a decent player, and those prices would end up being you know it's like. Later on, 10 years down the line, it's like a $100 card for somebody that just wants the card to have have the card.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. So,
0: But we should probably uh, end it off here. We are 70 minutes in, so uh, <laughs> look at us. Long-winded Takas. Um, Jimbo, any last words today?
1: My last thing I would like to, to ask everyone is please leave a review on the podcast, if you don't mind um we would greatly appreciate that can they do that
0: on apple or spotify
1: yes okay i'm
0: pretty sure i didn't know that so yes leave a review that'd be awesome
1: and uh give us any feedback anytime there's feedback shoot it over to us we love feedback yeah say hey you guys are way too long winded
0: clean it up or uh hey i'd rather you talk about this you know we're open to we're open to feedback, criticism. Jimbo's open to praise. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but uh, we do we do appreciate feedback. That is the only way you get better in life. Uh, so if anybody has any thoughts, feelings, or ideas, share them our way. Yes, please. All right. Well, with that, we are going to sign off today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's Dinging Corners. And we will talk to you next Friday. See everyone. Deuces.